welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I'm Len Foote. And welcome to the program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the crowd is ready for some jukebox, mu- jukebox music. And as we are discussing one of the most influential and yet unsung bands, probably uh, in rock history, uh, that band is, of course, the Kinks. Um, and here, joining us once again, our perennial friend of the podcast, Bruce Hollett, is back. Uh, he is our resident music expert, and he's back again to help us. Bruce, welcome back to Jag Bags. Thank you. I, uh, I greatly appreciate uh, the stocked fridge of bush light in the green room. <laughs> Good, good stuff. Uh, nothing but the best for our return guests. That's right. And and the Herald's Chicken. Yep. You're like the Don Rickles of uh, Jag Bags. You're just on all the time. All the time. <laughs> well, tonight we're talking about the Kinks. And um, yeah, when I talk, when I when I think about them, when we you know we were going to do them, I was like, I'm so glad that we're finally doing them. We probably should have done them sooner because they're so great. But as with everything, you know, the Kinks just always seem to fly under the radar. Everyone's like, oh yeah, the Kinks, they're awesome, they're great. But they never Never are on that considered in that same echelon with the Beatles or the Stones or the Who and you know other bands from that era. Even though they had just as good a run of albums as those guys or anyone really, their influence is just as strong as those. And if you think about it, how were the Kinks not bigger? We have I mean, there's a lot of theories on that. Um, they may be the most underrated band ever, considering their longevity, their quality of output, and their influence, and just how they're thought of today um you know they're they're still like several tiers below you know some of those and just in terms of recognition i feel and some of those bands that i just that i just named um so uh what are your what do you guys agree on that or do you feel that they're properly rated or? no i i agree and i i think there's there's some some interesting thoughts around it but for one uh you, you know the beatles and stones were copying you know what was going on in america right they were trying to sound like american bands uh and said so, so they made it big in America across the pond very quickly. The, the kinks are are very British. Like the, they, mm-hmm. they make no bones about it. Like most of the, especially the early albums, the the things that they're writing about are, are you know, from where they grew up in, you know, the northern part of London, you know. Um, so very British. And, and I think another thing that, that is uh, sort of interesting is that they don't really stick, they didn't really stick to like one style. Like they covered like a, a broad range of styles. In fact, they had this like weird thing in like from like 1973 to like 1976 where they were like playing like one set of kink songs and then doing like a theater troupe kind of thing you know where they were actors in a in a music in a musical of some sort right so they they were kind of all over the map um and and i think that's some of it too you know like the beatles certainly evolved in a style but the beatles the beatles were sort of this you know finite chunk of time finite amount of albums you know all very solid the rolling stones have been doing what they do and they're still doing it right but you know they're a heart you know rock and blues band right um and they do that they do that right. really really well um right whereas the the kinks like on one album you can get a, a lilting ballad a nice pop song and then super hard rock you know they're kind of yeah. all yeah i agree um then what are your thoughts do you feel like the kinks are, are underrated yes because i don't i think they don't have a bad album yeah any of them that you put on i'm like this is pretty good too <laughs> 
And, but I think the British thing does, some of their early stuff are so British. I think that's part of the reason why they're not as big as maybe they should be. And we'll talk about the albums in, in a little bit, but something else when it came out, nobody liked it. And now everybody says it's great. Right. It's that kind of thing. And it's what kind of what Bruce said because they did different things because that came out after You Really Got Me and All Day and All Night and things like that. So people were expecting more of that. And they were like, nope, we're just going to do what we want to do, which people and, don't usually like. And then the album after that, the, the Kinks are the Village Green Preservation Society. Like that was released at the height of psychedelia. And it's a book about that's like a nostalgia kind of like, oh, the old days were, weren't the old days so good. Right. And Pre, the pre-war London, like they, they missed it, right? You know, they were in post-war London. Lots of stuff is getting torn down and replaced by, you know, new stuff. And they, they were, you know, and again, like Ray Davis, like they wrote a lot about like the neighborhood where they grew up, you know, they lived across the street from a pub, you know, and there was, there was a lot of, you know, music and just, you know, suburban neighborhood kind of where they were. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny cause like nobody liked that record. And then Chris Gow of all people is like, he's like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell is wrong with the rest of you, but this is the album of the flipping year here, and nobody likes it. But I'm here to tell you right now, this is the best album of 1969. Oh man, Robert Chris, Bobby C, how he continues to confound us. <laughs> and he was not wrong. Great, fantastic album, right? Like you listen to it, this is a great album. He called, uh, going back to something else by the Kinks, um, he called Waterloo Sunset the most beautiful song in the history of music or something like like the, the most beautiful song ever recorded or so it's something incredibly outlandish right but waterloo sunset there's no denying that song great song let's start um with first memory of the kinks um what was your first what was your first memory of the band so i got into the kinks um you know hearing songs on the radio um in the you know i you know i started buying records on my own you know when i was like 11 or 12 so we're talking the early 80s and uh like like the rest of us i would do the uh you know 10 records for a penny or through the, the yep. art music club or whatever and i wound up <laughs> two really good kinks albums one was they, these were an album that were one was one for the road which is a live mm. double live album that came out in 1980 which is great um and then the other thing i had was this double album it was green and it was called the kinks a complete collection and complete was spelled uh c-o-m-p-l-e-a-t so British. Exactly. So British. I, it was great because it it was a good compilation, um, but it had, you know, it had a, a good number of the hits uh, and all that. So I had, I got those records, but of course, like, you know, first memory is is just like on the radio, you really got me and Lola, right? Where the, the two hits that you heard on the radio all the time. In, all the time. Right. 70s and 80s. So, um, so that was how I got into them. Um, and then uh, my knowledge expanded uh, dramatically. Like, I believe you and I are old now we've known each other a long time but probably 10 or 12 years ago uh, i'm actually wearing the shirt we saw tributosaurus of a fantastic chicago band they're still around go see them whenever you get the chance if they are doing they're a band you like go see them do not hesitate um but they were they were doing the kinks at martyrs and uh and i i phoned you up and i was like we, we have to go to this and we went and i remember two songs specifically where i was like i don't know those songs but they're amazing one was mr churchill says and the 
other was uh, the last of the steam powered trains. And so I came out of there and I was like, okay, I got song titles that make people race to the record store. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I was like, these are great. So, so then I went and I listened to a whole bunch of the earlier albums, which I didn't know because the earlier albums go back to the sixties. Right. And I just like that right. stuff wasn't on the radio. So I knew some of them from the compilation, but then I got way into, you know, all of those, those earlier albums uh, and just expanded from there. Then what's, what's your first memory of the Kings? Yeah, pretty similar. The radio, it was all day and all the night. All, I did all day and all the night. I heard all day and all the night a lot. You really got me. And Lola, yeah. which just confused me. I'm like, what? What is this? I don't understand <laughs> You weren't going to the right kind of bars, Len. Very confused by Lola when I was like 11 or whatever. And <laughs> Lola was always, in Chicago, they'd always have these song countdowns, especially like Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day oh, weekend, yeah. like 500 greatest songs of all time. And Lola was always way up there. And then the other thing, like in the 80s, once the video started coming out, Come Dancing was pretty big. Yeah, huge. Those, those were the two, two things that I remember most early on. But it's it's kind of weird, though, that they had those hits I heard, but I never really, and I liked them, but I never really explored further until later. I don't know why. Maybe because I think it helps, too, if you have your friends who are talking about them. Yeah. Like, we were we were more Beatles and Zeppelin and things like that. I didn't have any big Kinks fans well, who were my friends. By, like, the mid-80s, when we no. were teenagers, there were, like, at, by that point, there were over 20 studio albums by the Kinks. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's so much. So, like, you know, Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin, it's like one, two, three, four. I'm sorry, not one. Just Led Zeppelin and then two, three. <laughs> <laughs> allow, allow me to correct myself. Yes. But you know what I'm like, you know, and there's same thing no with such album. a handful of albums. And, um, but yeah, the kinks are just so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were so prolific. So prolific. Uh, I remember that, uh, yeah, Lola, you heard on the radio. And then I remember when uh, Diver Down came out, I was like, I love that song, Where Have All the Good Times Gone? That's awesome. And uh, they're like, well, that's a kinks cover tune. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, oh, I didn't know they did covers. <laughs> and they're like, like, uh, they covered You Really Got Me. And I was like, that's a cover? And they're like, uh, hey, uh, dumb 10-year-old. <laughs> So uh, that's when I, uh, that is a memory I have of, of, of the kinks. Like, wow, they, they, wow, Van Halen really liked the kinks. They must be great. And uh, um, and then come dancing. And then um, kind of like uh, before uh, Bruce and I went to see uh, Tributosaurus, um, and I wouldn't have known to go see Tributosaurus, but our friend Scott Oaken um, made me a, a, a CD, like compilation of his own personal, and it was well more, it was well past 45 minutes. But he was like, Beef, uh, here, complete your education, your PhD, and your doctorate in Kinks Jams with this CD. And uh, and I listened to that a ton. And uh, and like Bruce said, like, because that had songs from Village Green and something else by the Kinks and uh, Lola, the Power Man, the Money Go Round, and Arthur, the decline of um, the decline and fall of the British Empire, Muswell Hillbillies, face to face. And so, like Bruce, I was like, I've got to find all the albums that these songs are on and but it was great because like then i would go to these albums and i'd know at least two or three from them thanks to that cd kind of sampler so then i really got into the kinks and learned then like you were saying they don't have a bad album yeah they, re- they really do not have a bad album no. which is pretty incredible there's, there's no what <laughs> no no <laughs> 
they don't even have like a phase of like you know well this is when they were going through their little whatever phase no i mean even there's that phase like, in the 70s of like preservation act one and preservation act two and the right. present a soap like all the like like that theatrical that stuff was all pretty well but like you go and listen to like okay there's still some good songs on here yeah yes exactly it's not like a complete uh like where you're just like i would never listen to those again yeah like you say there's there's songs schoolboys in disgrace that's a good album oh yeah so um all right let's go to our top five albums let's uh bruce let's start with you what are your in your opinion right now top five all-time kinks albums so my my number one is uh muswell hillbillies i i i love that okay. album uh start to finish i i submit that that album could be put out today and it would still like it would it totally buys it's a concept album it's about miserable life in the 20th century you know loss of privacy um you, you know sitting in a, in cube city in an office job like all all of those themes you know resonate today and it's kind of interesting because you know the, the kinks are the village green preservation society um was sort of longing for the past right and how you know pre pre-war london everything was green and they had these lovely neighborhoods and all that like muswell hillbillies is like what replaced that right like the the, the 20th century you know office parks and concrete jungle and, and all of that stuff um so that's 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 my number one uh number two uh lola versus power man and the money go round part one chocolate of hits part one yes excuse me <laughs> you know that scott scott oaken is going to be listening to this with his pencil out saying in, <laughs> incorrect album title incorrect i think it's album. red pen actually red right. pen you're right yes um, yes so yeah and, and again lola power man and the money go round all of these albums like they were concept albums so they like like you were saying before be like they were doing all the same stuff as the who and the beatles and the stones right. writing these you know fully baked you know concept albums telling a story multiple characters going through it like all of that stuff um, right but again like so british it just didn't translate across the pond necessarily um uh number three is uh arthur or the decline and fall of the british empire yes. uh, also just i mean victoria hello that's a jam mm -hmm. just that is a yeah, complete so many jam songs football uh, tables yeah exactly um number four uh the kinks are the village green preservation society uh <laughs> great great record and it took me a while to to come around on this one but the more you listen to it the more you realize it like chris gow was right it's fantastic just one of the great albums of all time um len is len is always saying chris gow was right remember beave chris gow <laughs> is always right I, chris I gow think it obviously pays wikipedia to <laughs> be listed in every album article obviously. yeah i think it was like pete townsend who was like you know it's ray davies ray davis's masterpiece right the uh village green is like just one of the one of the i personally agree with that yeah um and then for for number five i really struggle because what i what i uh you know there's that whole period from like 77 through you know late 80s where they went to arista records and clive davis was producing them and like they put out a string of just great rock albums and yeah. so i listened to a bunch of them in the last few weeks i'm like so today i'm picking uh state of confusion uh which has come dancing but i'm picking it based on the album closer bernadette which is just a flat out straight ahead rock and roll song and um i love that during that time period like you know in the in the 60s they were sort of banned from like they they were like on double secret probation 
Dublin. They did one tour of the US <laughs> and then they couldn't get visas to come back until like 1969. But like like late 70s through, uh, you know, the late 80s, like they were just putting out all these albums designed for the American market and they were touring stadiums nonstop, just putting out straight up arena rock. And it's and it's it's all great. Um, so yeah, so today it's State of Confusion. Great album. Great album. Uh, Len, what are your, your last big five? hit? Right, right. Len, let's hear your top five. I think I only have one. Oh, no. Yeah, I think I only have one to Bruce Head. I'll go backwards for suspense. Number five is <laughs> Phobia. I love that album. Great album. Number That's four. That's their last one, right? That's their very last. Yeah, it's really they good. Did together. I remember I did a deep dive on the Kinks like 10 years ago, like listen to all of them. And I, Phobia was one I was like, That's the one people should be listening to. The people that are yeah. casual. Good writing. Is. Uh, for number four, I put Give the People What They Want. That's one of Oaken's favorite. That's a great record. That's one of the ones I had from the uh, the RCA Record Club uh, when, when I was getting it. There's Again, chock full of jams. Yeah, it's got uh, Better Things, Destroyer. Destroyer's a jam. Those are two songs people might actually heard. Yeah, it's really good. Third, I put Lola versus Power Man and The Money. What's it called? And the Money Ground? Part one. Part one. Of course, I have part one written too. I know our listeners. I don't. <laughs> Oaken's, Oaken, Oaken's red pen was up. Now it's down. Now it's up again. Number two, I have low budget. Damn. And my number one is something else. Very nice. Here, we didn't see that. Put that low budget up again. Because sometimes the your background swallows up the... Uh, oh, yeah. I remember that album cover very well. I love low budget. A great album. Great cover, too. Great suspense, Len. I really was like... You really caught up in the countdown to number one. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. Um, Steve's surprise is reflected in his hair and the diamond listeners are enjoying it right now <laughs> listen i've been in a car all day with a baseball <laughs> cap on uh so uh, I guess the Cleveland look isn't going for me. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Uh, my Actually, five. Billy Squire is texting me and saying, I enjoy Beeb's look right now. Yeah. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy. Only also, Billy. Rock me, rock me tonight, guys. <laughs> Billy's like, I'm so glad he's in Cleveland right now. Uh, so uh, my number five is Sleepwalker. Um, Great record. Which uh, which rules. My favorite uh, cuts on there are the, the uh, album cover or the album the cover track, the title track. Um, also, Jukebox Music and Stormy Sky. Love all those songs. Uh, number four is Arthur or The Decline and Fall of the British Empire. And uh, my favorite... <laughs> in parentheses, yeah, thank you. Red Pen is up. Uh, <laughs> uh, my favorite tracks there are um, Victoria, Shangri-La and uh, Mr. Churchill Says. Uh, when the siren goes off, that's awesome. When yes. the air raid siren. Yes. Um, number three, uh, Lola, uh, Power Man and The Money Go Round, part one. One. Uh, my favorite tracks there are The Contenders, Power Man, Ape Man, and Lola. Uh, number two is Something Else by The Kinks. My favorite tracks off of that are David Watts, uh, Waterloo Sunset, and mm-hmm. Situation Vacant. And my favorite Kinks album, I, you know, I was just listening to it for the first time in years. Um, it's The Kinks Are the Village Green Preservation Society. These albums are so long, and that's so British. Just the length of these albums is so British. Um, it's not just Village Green or something else or Arthur. No, uh, you have to do all these uh, uh, long and British titles. But when I was listening to Village Green, um, I was just think, 
like that album is so like lyrically it's you know we've talked about it's like a you know an ode to days gone by but it's really i think what it really captures is that sense of just melancholy like those days are gone they're never coming back and it's a shame and uh you know and we're just gonna go through and yes we're you know in the in the midst of like swinging london with the mods and everything but we're losing and this is what we're losing and uh so that's why i think it's so it really like has an emotional kind of power i think um and my favorite songs off of that are last of the steam powered trains do you remember walter and a song that i think was cut i know it was recorded in that period but i don't think it made it onto the album days just uh, d-a-y-s i love that song Uh, so those are my top five um you know should we get to the 45 minute playlist yeah let's do it um this is really tough bruce and i were talking for the podcast and we were saying like this could be the hardest ask ever to get this down to 45 minutes just because of the sheer volume yeah yeah there's more than 20 albums like i i could have made four four or five mm-hmm. 45 yeah. Minutes yeah easily yeah all right let's hear yours first bruce all right so i i sort of go in chronological order a little bit um and uh i ha- i have some deep cuts uh nice. so first one is uh was originally recorded uh and written as a dave davy dave davis solo track <laughs> Death of a Clown off of I love us. that song. Me too. I love that great, song. Great song. Yeah. Uh, and it's from from the book I read, tells a story like up to this point, he had been this like huge party boy because he was pretty young when the Kinks got started. So he was like, you know, and got got famous, got some money, was like partying with everyone. And then he sort of realized that like a lot of these people were not really his friends. And so that's you know, <laughs> sort of a sad song, right? Um, and, uh, but yeah, great, great song uh, and written by Dave instead of Ray. Um, number two, uh, Picture Book. Love that song. Good one, yeah. And then uh, number three, Last of the steam powered trains again just such, such a great song uh, people run to the record store to buy based on the title <laughs> yes last of the steam powered trains i want that yes uh bloodites rejoice <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number four, another another Dave song, uh, "Strangers." Uh, I, I that's one of my favorite songs off of uh, Lola versus Power Man and the Money Go Round. Um, <laughs> it's again, it's it's kind of a you know a ballad, I guess. Um, but that's one of those that I put the record on the turntable, turn the stereo up very loud. Uh, it's such a great. Yeah, song. Um, I agree. Uh, next song also off of Lola, uh, "Ape Man." Just please, such a jam, such a jam. It's um, like a, one of those like chugging kind of like you just you can't help but like yeah. rock your whole head and they they figured out that whole groove with Lola and Ape Man like just yeah. slow and but yet like you know like moves your whole body kind of right right thing. you will smash the table slowly correct <laughs> yes and deliberately yeah you'll follow um, it yeah. after Ape Man uh, moving on to uh, Arthur uh, Victoria is the, the next song I had yeah such such a jam co- covered by lots of different bands because it's such a jam um and then uh, Mr. Churchill says, "Love that song." Yeah. Wait, they have Mr. Churchill says and the last of the steam-powered engines. Let me go now. Yes. I think that their music feels like going to school. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so next up, I picked a couple tracks off of Buzzwell Hillbillies, um, and these are these are great songs. Um, first up is uh, "Holiday." I like um, that song. It's it's again. It's just like it's it's uh, yeah. It feels like you're you're going on a holiday um <laughs> and then uh next up uh alcohol the demon alcohol another just great song um 
um, which uh, that you, you know covered by Ray, Ray and Dave both struggled with uh, you know challenges uh, in that in that vein, shall we say? With um, the booze. Yeah. Uh, the next three, I I went off of the Arista years. Um, there are just so many great songs. It was really hard to pick, um, but I picked uh, Life on the Road off of Sleepwalker. Um, I love which, that song. And again, like they played that one. Love line. that song. Uh, and then my favorite song off of Misfits is uh, a rock and roll fantasy. That's a great love song. that song. Yeah. Love Such that. Great, yeah, that's another one. I put the record on. Crank the volume. Yes, really good. One. Yep. Um, and then covered by Bad Company. I know. I'm lying on these last two covers. They didn't happen. Just same, same <laughs> song title. So. Rock and roll fantasy. <laughs> um, and then uh, close it out with Bernadette off of uh, State of Confusion. And that that comes in at 45 minutes and 16 seconds. Wow. Look at you disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> Mine says 45 minutes, but uh, but they, they don't give me uh, the seconds. I'll have to go back and uh, calculate that. It does give me credit for 45 minutes. Uh, Len, what, what's your 45-minute playlist? My first one is Waiting for the Tube in My Knickers. <laughs> All right, that one's not real. Stop it. <laughs> Followed by 16 pence in a quid, sir. <laughs> My second one is let's read about history quietly in class. <laughs> How about three pints and a meat pie down at the pub? There we go. We'll make up our own Kinks album of fake I love songs. this. All right, here's my real one. Stop Your Sobbing. Damn. Low Budget. Yes. I think Low Budget's my favorite song there. That's a turn it up song. No doubt. My neighbor's always like, we get it. We get it. <laughs> Then nothing in the world can stop me thinking about this girl. I which love that song. Very popular because of Rushmore. Yep. David Watts, Death Please. of a Clown. Death of a Clown. Oh, it's very solid jam. Victoria, mm-hmm. all great ones. This time tomorrow. Great song. That. Oh, you know how you're talking about covers? I listened today. There's one where um, Ray Davies. Did, have you ever heard that one where he? It was Springsteen, Billy Ray Cyrus, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, of course. Metallica. Yeah, it's oh, like a whole. The two best ones, I think, are, I like Springsteen. He he does better things with Springsteen. And he does, I think, Waterloo Sunset with Jackson Brown. I think those are the two best ones on there. But it's a pretty pretty good cover album, because cover albums are so hit or miss. I always like listening to them at least once, just out of curiosity. But this one's better than than your normal one. Hmm. Uh, Then I have Wish I Could Fly Like Superman. I love that song. Superman. I think they did, like, a 12-inch version of that, too. Right. I was like, it's not really a disco song, but I think they're just like, well... Let's just do this one and see if people dance to it. I mean, you know, why not try to get a hit? Everyone else was doing a disco or a disco flavored song in that era. Yeah. Then if Catch Me Now I'm Falling, also. That's great. Yeah. Great. A more um low budget. Wall of Fire. Ooh. Underrated King's song. You are like, Len Deep Cut Len. <laughs> like I must have Wall of Fire on here. Deep cut. Then another deep cut, Rock and Roll Cities. I love that song. And then Better it's Things, a- which I just talked about. Uh where all the good times gone. Yep. And then kids. my last one is, of course, Fire yes. in the Twilight by Wang Chung. By Wang Chung. That's not a kink song. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's on the playlist. <laughs> Should have done uh, Fire in the uh, Double Decker Bus uh, uh, on uh, Eating Crisps in the Twilight. Headed to Buckingham Palace. Fire on the Tube. <laughs> by Wang Chung. Uh, Alright, my 45 minute playlist is pretty... Uh, Len, you really went deep cut. Mine is not so deep cut. And I mentioned a lot of these 
my a album. A few deep cuts. A few deep cuts. Um, but it was, I mean, it's like what we're talking about. They're so good. Absolutely. Like I said, you could do four, like Bruce said it, you could do four of these and all four of these 45 minutes would be great. Yeah. And any of you listening on Spotify, my username is lowercase Lenfoot. It'll be the first one if you go under my playlist. Jagbags Podcast Stinks. And you can listen to the ones we just talked about. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a last minute audible uh, on mine because um, Bruce, you had Victoria. So I'm taking out Victoria. Too. And you had Victoria. So I'm taking out Victoria and I'm replacing it for the first song. I'm replacing Victoria with Father Christmas. Uh, oh, it's so a great Father one. Christmas yeah. is my, uh, yeah. it could be the best Christmas song. Many people yeah. would consider it. That's great. Um, Father Christmas. Uh, then 20th Century Man from uh, Muswell Hillbilly Jam. Love that song. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Walter? Um, because I think that uh, that's very, uh, that, that's very like emotional and like heartfelt. That, that always hits me. Um, then uh, Sleepwalker uh, from the 77 album Sleepwalker. Then Rats from Lola, uh, Power Man, and The Money Go Round, part one. Then uh, David Watts from something else. Uh, by the way, speaking of covers, The Jam does a completely kick-ass version of David Watts. Yes. Um, and if you uh, are not familiar with that, check it out. That's on the album All, All Mod Time It Rules. Yes, um, the, j- the Jam. Uh, then Last of the Steam-Powered Trains, everyone's favorite million-selling single. Uh, then uh, Situation Vacant. Then Lola. I had to put the hit on. Uh, at least one hit on. I put on Lola. Then Shangri-La. I think if you asked me to pick like, you know, one song that's like their magnum opus, you know, they're kind of like their crowning glory. I would, you could make a good argument for Shangri-La yeah. because that's like, it's an, it's an anthem, kind of an epic. The lyrics are incredible and they completely jam in the middle of that song as well. Um, and then Days and then I ended it with Waterloo Sunset <clears throat> with yeah. a nod to Bobby Criscow. Um, so, but like we said, no, we no could, truth to the rumor that Criscow dropped some money in Beeves mailbox. So he would include uh, that. That is zero truth. Uh, no I truth at all. Incor- nice necklace, by the way, Beef. I am incorruptible. Is that a guitar in- necklace? Hmm. I cannot be bought with baubles. Not especially at all. From Robert Briscow. Cheap, cheap jag off with that necklace, like this uh, gold necklace. That what's, that, uh, from, uh, what's that business card on your desk that says Chicago, uh, that says most eminent music critic, BC? <laughs> uh, that's uh, Brian uh, Cullinan. Brian Cullinan. All right. I'll yeah, Ron, I'm sure Ron, Ron, Ron will tell me the truth. <laughs> I'm sure you are quite aware of Brian Cullinan's uh, articles uh, of musical criticism. Oh, yeah. He's very well respected mm-hmm. in, uh, in Akron. He's an and, expert uh, on Go West, I heard. <laughs> He loves the Hooters. He's <laughs> written several books on them. All right, let's uh, let's make an underrated king. Um, I'll start. Let me start just because I already said it. Phobia is mine. That's your uh, underrated king. Yes. Go listen to uh, it if you haven't. Bruce, what's yours? So I, I'm going to say um, all of the Arista years, like just all of those albums from, you know, Sleepwalker through Phobia. But I'll, I'll pick one because I listened to it today and I was like, this album is amazing. And I, you know, it's like I hadn't listened to it probably ever, but I just, I grabbed it, you know, while I was going out for a walk around like think visual I'm like there, there's so many good songs on here I was like ha- having a great time like you know and again like it, it you know most of those albums kind of made it into like the top 20 or top 40 you know on on the album chart and again they were just constantly touring but all of those albums are just solid rock and roll you know arena rock albums and and, and again like there, there aren't there's not there aren't bad songs they're just all great Agreed. I'll go with either low budget but since we've talked about low budget so much maybe it isn't so so underrated. Um, another album that 
I love, we haven't talked about it once, is Face to Face. Oh, yeah. Which is the album that came out right before uh, something else by the Kink. But Face to Face has all kinds of jams on there. And, um, and it, it's early Kinks. I think it's like their third or fourth album. <laughs> but um, yeah, really. So it's like mono, um, but, you know, it's still pretty like, um, you know, almost punkish, um, yeah. you know, AM radio, but all jams, all jams. Um, so those would be those would be my picks. Um, you know, we haven't talked enough about this whole incident because everyone says, oh, the Kinks, you know, they never got across in the United States and they were prevented from touring. They were prevented from touring in the United States for years. Yeah, it was, they, like, uh, it was like a double secret probation. Like they, they hmm. did tour, I want to say in like 66 or something after the Beatles and Stones had come over, the Kinks came over and did a tour and they started in New York, did some shows in New York, which went really well. <laughs> and then, you know, went across the, the middle of the US. In fact, at one point they escaped from John Wayne Gacy, like noted serial killer. Um, they, they were staying. Uh, what? Like, I guess like, yeah, like, like, yeah, it's, it's in this book, God Save the Kinks that I just read. Wow. Uh, like on that, on that ill-fated tour, like at some point they were staying, uh, you know, I think in Oklahoma or somewhere. Uh, and uh, he was trying to convince them to, uh, to hang out. He was like, then they, they got away. Um, but you know, middle America did not appreciate the kinks with their long hair and scruffy looks and uh, their Britishness. So they, they they had some challenges getting through the middle. And then they, they finished up in, in Los Angeles where, you know, run of great shows, um, had a, you know, good time. But then, you know, the band was, you know, the two brothers were fighting off and on. And I guess they, they did some recording in LA at the end. And it's, I think, you know, one of the potential incidents was uh, Ray Davis uh, uh, got into fisticuffs with one of the union guys in the studio but you know it was kind of dusted off but so they they eventually go back to england and then like for like the next four years anytime they tried to get visas to come to the u.s it was like no they couldn't get them so it was like the musicians union or you, you know someone in the u.s was was blocking them from from coming but it was eventually lifted in like i think 69 they came back i wonder because i read that too but wasn't the union guy who you know, got into the scuffle with ray davis wasn't he working with dick clark wasn't it on the Dick Clark? Wasn't it on American Bandstand? Or was that? Was it not? Because maybe because Dick Clark would have the power to say uh, no visas for you. Well, uh, let's just put it this way: uh, Ray and Dave got into lots of fisticuffs with lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one Ray Davis got shot in New Orleans, in, in, like when he was an older guy, like in the eight late eighties, right? Because like <laughs> they were in New Orleans, and like someone came up, like you know, and like with a gun was like, "Give us your money and and your purse." And, like you know, he was with the with the woman. So um, he eventually handed over his money and then the guy turned out to go, Ray Davis like chased after the guy. So the guy like shot him in the leg. He had to spend like, you know, months in the hospital. And, like, <laughs> Ray Davis, quick. Never, uh, never uh, saw a fight he would walk away from. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. and uh, He was like, in the spirit of the great conductors of the steam engines, I will go fight for my money. <laughs> like, oh, Lord, like Lord Horatio Nelson, I too will avenge my Country. What would Churchill do in this situation? <laughs> yeah, so so Mick Avery, who was the drummer for the Kinks, this was early early days, like you know mid sixties. Um, at one point.
point uh, at the at the end of a show, Dave Davis was was dissatisfied with uh, with Mick and like knocked over his drums or something. And Mick Avery stands up with and has the bass drum pedal, which is this like metal thing. And he clocks Dave Davis in the head, knocks him out. There's like blood pouring out of his head. Mick Avery like runs out of the club, goes to hide in a friend's house. He thinks he's killed him. He thinks he killed Dave Davis only to find out, you know, the next day, like, no, he's just in the hospital. He had to get like 16 stitches in his head. And then so they're like, you know, and this was before they had really made it big, right? They're playing these little bars. And so it's like, guys, we, we have to like keep playing shows. Like we've got to get, you know, people to buy our records and all that. So they get back together at the record company and, uh, you know, Dave Davies head is all wrapped up in bandages and they're like, okay, we're planning the next show. And, uh, they're, they're kind of like staring daggers. And then eventually like Mickey goes, yeah, I'm going to need a new drum pedal. <laughs> Because <laughs> he busted it over Dave's head. So th- there was lots of lots of that kind of stuff. So I think part of that first tour was like, they were just seen as sort of like bad behavior, right? Um, now, it, it, I read that like, or and I, the book you read was called God Save the Kinks. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's a biography by Rob Jovanovich. Um, great book. Checked it out from the library. And it really goes through just like sort of the, the history of the band from early days all the way up until, you know, Ray Davis sang Waterloo Sunset to like open the Olympics in London or whatever. Right? So it covers sort of like the, the whole time. That's pretty, that must've been a pretty cool moment. Um, yeah, that's how he opens, I wanna... closes the book. Like opens with that, like here's this great moment and ends with that. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, is it, wasn't like what started the fight with that union guy was that the union guy was saying, you know, you dirty Brits with your unwashed hair and your, <laughs> your six, six pence. Yeah, and the knowledge your, uh, of history. Right. Ray Davis is like, I will, I will kick your ass. I don't see a gun on you. I'm not that a gun matters. A, a lot of right. like the stories about fights and and scuffles and things like that. The the you know in the in the days or weeks afterwards, there there's usually like three or four different versions of what happened, what caused the fight. But but the end result is that there were fisticuffs. You know, and <laughs> you know they and they were you know Ray Davis sort of like he fell into being the the guy who wrote all the songs and the lead vocalist. They were trying to get someone else, and he's like he sort of got and then eventually he became like where he was producing all the albums he was writing you know the lion's share of the songs and and so you know he would dave davis and and the rest of the guys started to feel like oh we're just sort of Ray's backing band you know there were hard feelings because they wouldn't always people wouldn't always get credit like in the liner notes of what they did you know ray would change them uh and uh so there was there was definitely lots of uh you know drama and things like that um another, another good story from the book like when father christmas was out you know they were on some some tv show and I so love this story. Ray Davis was going to play Father Christmas is the last song so that he he goes off stage and he comes back on in like a Santa Claus costume because he's going to do Father Christmas and Dave Davies like strikes up the band doing like all day and all the night instead of Father Christmas so he has to sing the wrong song in a Santa Claus outfit <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was all that kind of stuff going on Jag off yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so what does the book say about Ray Davis and Chrissy Hind? Oh, like, um, it, it's interesting. So uh, apparently, uh, Chrissy Hind was doing everything she could to meet Ray Davis. And he was, he was like, no, no, he was, you know, and then eventually she got to him. They met and, and Ray still wasn't that, it, but she was very, and eventually they ended up like having a pretty extensive affair. Uh, and in fact, she was, she got pregnant. Um, and I guess they were like on their way to the magic 
magistrate uh, to get married. And we're just magistrate. Like, ar- yeah, arguing, fighting and all that. And and I guess like the, they, they ended up not getting married. I think I think the magistrate was like, maybe you guys should uh, go work out your differences and come back another day, you know, because and so they didn't get married. Uh, but she she had a daughter uh, with Ray Davis. And then, you know, eventually they, uh, you know, they were apparently they were just always fighting and arguing, eventually broke up. Uh, and she she ended up uh, marrying uh, the, the lead singer from Simple Minds, right? Yeah, uh, that's a yeah, Jim Kerr. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the Pretenders covered uh, Stop Your Sobbing, right? Which is a Which great, is a great version of it. Yeah. yeah. Chrissy Hine knew that Jim Kerr would not fight with her the way that Ray Davis fought with her <laughs> and everyone else. <laughs> Jim the Pretenders also more. covered the King song. What are the great pillars of civilization? That's a good one. Too. <laughs> <laughs> the history of the Union Jack, part seven, yeah. uh, by the Pretenders. Another interesting thing. That, so, so Dave Davis was a, a weird guy. Um, you, you know, apparently, I think he had Still some, is, right? Huh? Still oh, is, still right? Is, yeah. He's still um, kicking. You know, he had some like schizophrenic episodes where he's like hearing lots of voices. I didn't know that. Talking to him. And and he, yeah, um, Ray, Ray, Ray and, and Dave Davis both wrote books, but Dave Davis talks a lot about like, you know, spiritual things and like, um, but yeah, like at one point he heard all these voices talking to them and they were very real and telling oh, him boy. what to do. And also like in the early days when he was the party boy, um, he was, uh, you, you know, uh, a bisexual, you, you know, playing both sides of the fence um, and you know, very promiscuous. In fact, at uh, Ray Davis' first wedding, which when he, was when he was like in his early 20s, um, you know, Dave Davis, of course, is his best man. It's his younger brother. And it's time for the best man to give the speech and they can't find him. And so <laughs> his uh, older sister, they, they come from a big family. They had a lot of a lot of older siblings. Uh, one of the sisters goes looking for Dave's, finds him with one of the other uh, wedding guests uh, in an upstairs bedroom uh, going down. It's time for you to give speech. <laughs> and end result of that was like that poor girl ended up being pregnant and like filed a paternity suit against Dave Davis. <laughs> Like a year later. Uh, so yeah, all, there was all kinds of crazy. So yeah, poor, poor baby. Yeah, well, typical Brit. Uh, in other words, just another British band. Well, yeah, and like, uh, and again, like these guys were like, at the time, they're like 18 and 22 or something like that, right? They, they were kids. Yeah, that's the crazy part. You look at some of these photos today. Yeah, they're children. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Um, you know, I read that you were talking about how Ray Davis, by the way, for those of you who may wonder, are we mispronouncing the last name of Ray and Dave? Um, because their last name is spelled D-A-V-I-E-S. So wouldn't it be pronounced Davies? But no, no, no. Uh, Oaken has his red pen up right now uh, with alarm. I said Davies, but I forgot it is pronounced Davies. Alacrity. Yeah. (laughs) Oaken will be angry with me. Oh, I learned that the hard way. It's not Davies, (laughs) Beeves. Davis. Davis. Now go make your speech, Beeves. I read that um, you were saying that Ray Davis... um, did not want to sing and they had auditioned uh, various singers. Is it true that Rod Stewart was yes. actually recruited and for a while was yeah. in the Kinks? Yeah, he was. He, he played a few gigs with them and like he, they were they were trying out various lead singers and like none of them. And it eventually was just like, all right, Ray, Ray became the, the lead singer. And like those early days, they were doing lots of covers. In fact, like when they finally got the hit, um, You Really Got Me, it was like, okay, we, we got to put out an album with the new hit single on it. And it was like mostly covers, right? Because that's 
that's what they were doing. Right, right. It's pretty amazing that like the, uh, Rod Stewart, yeah, the thing, this vocal thing you're doing, you're very good. But you know what? Mm, out. <laughs> out. Out. No, but you fall into being in one of, I, I don't know how big you, they're pretty big, but he's becomes the lead singer and the big, the main songwriter <laughs> almost yeah. by accident. Yeah. And makes all these great songs. It's just yeah. Incredible. And really developed there as needs a to be there needs to be a good kinks movie yeah there does it's out there we're gonna have to write that one too beef we're yeah, doing we our write that. an airplane one where beef is playing yes. marty balin so now we need to do the king the kinks one and i'm gonna play the chicago union guy oh there you go that's gonna be my part i'm ready for <laughs> I'll it i'll be the aggrieved i'll be the aggrieved ray davis and just pick fights with everyone <laughs> Yeah, Ray and Dave and, yeah. and, and the other guys in the band too. Like they were there were, you know, all these, you know, scuffles and bust ups, you know, things things that, that happened. Um yeah, so many, so many great uh great songs that came out. Uh even even in those in, in, in those early days, like you said, on like face to face and, and something else by the Kinks when he was just starting to write a lot of songs. Right. The record company they, they were also under a lot of pressure. <laughs> the record company was like, We need another hit. We need another hit. We need another right. hit. Or, you know, they're looking at the Beatles and the Stones and, and in fact like, keep up with them. Yeah. When when the when the Kings came back to the U.S. in 69, uh, same kind of thing. They did a run of shows in New York and then they wound up in L.A. I think they did like six nights or something in a row um, in, in L.A. And I think was it like the Whiskey A Go-Go or whatever, the famous club in L.A. And, and apparently Mick right. Jagger was was in the audience uh, for, for like a good number of those shows. So like the Beatles really? and Jones definitely knew the Kinks. You know, there was a period of time where the Kinks were opening for the Beatles, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so they, they all knew who each other were. Like they were there around the same time right what did uh what did ray davis have to say about revolver when that album came out oh, no that was, yeah, that, was, was that was dave davis oh dave davis <laughs> and he got quoted in the newspaper i uh, no, yeah because they asked him wait let me let me find it um it was not flattering dave davis but any and his response was so british too yeah that, where are the songs about forms of transportation right is that the quote <laughs> Yeah, you've done a song about Eleanor Rigby, and that's cute, very British. Uh, but I don't see any lorries in here. Well, they did Yellow Submarine, so that's a form of transportation. But yeah. I read, I read something that Ray Davis said today that he thought Yellow Submarine was rubbish, but he loved I'm Only Sleeping. Yeah, right. I think I think Dave Davis. But Yellow played. Submarine to say that about Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine is not exactly going on. You gotta take it the right way. That's not like them right. trying to do great art. But I like that. I mean, it's a fun song. Yeah, da- Dave Davis. That. Was like, what a load of rubbish. And when he heard I'm, only, sleep. like, I'm only sleeping like, is a great song. And he's like, it sounds like they're writing uh music for uh you know like middle school teachers or something like that. <laughs> Dave That's why drums. the Kings never got as big as they did because middle school teachers stopped yeah. right there. Dave Dave they Davis said, when he heard they're the like, band, I'm yeah. throwing out my copy of something else right now. They will never enter the United States ever on a yeah. tour. I'm gonna call my friend Michael Union and tell him to not let the kinks in. Their friend, Michael Union. (laughs) Head of the union. Yeah. Part of the great union families that run the unions in the United States. (laughs) I did not know that. I'm full of information, guys. I'm full of information. (laughs) Bruce is stunned by my information. Yeah, Yeah. Dave Davis, when he heard uh, the uh, Van Halen cover of You Really Got Me, he's like, like, I don't know, maybe maybe David Lee Roth plays better when he's drunk. I don't know. (laughs) 
wasn't impressed. Jag off. Uh, well, that song, that song made Van Halen. Yeah, absolutely. Because you could, because it's eruption into you really got me. Yeah, and that's made everybody start talking about Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that was their first uh, single from that album, if I'm not mistaken. You really got me. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Is it true? Or uh, what did the book say about Jimmy Page uh, playing on any of those Kinks albums or on You Really Got Me? A lot of times you read that that you know that guitar those guitar riffs are Jimmy Page playing. What does uh, the book say about that? Mostly Dave. It's it's all Dave Davis. Dave Davis played a lot of the guitar in the early days, especially though all those early Kinks albums they they were using session guys, right? So um, pretty famous one like Nicky Hopkins. He plays piano and and keyboards on all those Rolling Stones records, right? It's probably on some right. of the stuff too. He's on all of those Kinks records. Nicky Hopkins is all over the place, right? And in fact, like there were periods of time where the, you know, early on, they didn't even have a drummer for some of those early albums. So they would just use the, uh, you know, their producer would bring in a session guy, you know, to play the yeah. drum. Um, so there's definitely a lot of that. And it, when you listen to, you know, originally they were a four piece, right? It was just, you know, two guitars, uh, bass and drums, right? And you listen to those, some of them, like there's obviously a lot of other instruments going on, right? So they definitely were a, a good number of, of studio people. Um, and then, you know, like later in, in the seventies, they added like a horn section, backup singers, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then Clive Davis was like, yeah, we're going to trim this back down into a rock band. We're going to lose some of yeah. the actors and lose the horn. You know, like guys are going out on the road. You're a rock and roll band. Yeah, no, we're going to trim the fat and just you guys do what you do best, which is jam. Right. right. So here's my next question. You know, we talk, we've been talking about, you know, joking around about the kinks and their, you know, their Britishness and their, you know, scuffling and their uh, kind of like, you know, kind of like perverse refusal to kind of like follow trends. They're just going to do whatever, you know, they whatever following their muse really and kind of just charting their own path but why do you think the kinks because the kinks definitely achieved success oh yeah I mean, they were huge despite all those what? obstacles we've said despite all those obstacles but when you talk about the british invasion you're always talking about the, the beatles and the stones and the who then you get the kinks yeah they seem to be a, like a, in a distant fourth place and why do you think that is because i mean the who are certainly british and the beatles sang about you know strawberry fields and penny lane they they you know they also wrote quite a bit about where they grew up and uh same as the kinks um you know and why do you think that the kinks never got to the level of the beatles or the stones or even the who um it's all theory really i'm just curious why why you think they kind of lag and they were and they were more prolific than any of those they continued to put out strong records throughout the 70s and then into the 80s and one in the 90s yeah and i think i think you know one of the things that it definitely hurt them that they couldn't tour america from like you know 66 to 69 right because that's mm. when the stones and the beatles were just got huge and same with the who right and during that time the kinks were basically like they they were stuck in england and you know doing the occasional european you know on the continent thing but you, you know the uk market is a lot smaller than than the us right and so during that time period you, you know that that really hurt them when they got huge was when they when they made when they finally made it in america in the in the late 70s through the 80s right when they were doing all those like you know and they were again like clive davis was like we're gonna you guys are gonna put out records for the american market which is much bigger than england and that switch was kind of interesting because like none of those albums not a single one of the clive davis arista albums even touched the charts in the they all which they is all, interesting like, they all did really well in america but UK <coughs> was kind of like done with them right um and then but like during the the you know the late 60s or whatever they you know they were doing okay in england but you know again not so I think some of it is like they're just it's also they're just weird you know 
know, <laughs> right. there's, definitely like, there's definitely a little bit of a weird factor, you know. But I never thought of, I mean, what you're saying is I, I agree with it, but what I never thought of the Beatles or the Stones or the Who writing for an American market. So when they're doing their albums, they're like, hey, how is this going to sell in the United States? But maybe they were. Well, I think they, but the Stones were definitely copying, you know, the the old blues guys, right? Um, right. So it was Led Zeppelin, right? Led Zeppelin and the right. were very heavily influenced by, you know, uh, music right. from American blues, right? Um, right. And, and the Beatles were more like influenced by like the Elvis, Little Richard uh, kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, in the early, the early pop stuff, right? Like these, please, you want to hold your hand. That's all like kind of just straight ahead rock and roll um, kind of stuff, right? Um, right. So yeah, I, but I, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the great mysteries of, of rock and roll is why the kinks are not, were not more popular than they were. So well, uh, I, I have, I have a, I have a reason. Yeah. Part of it is the, <laughs> what, what, what are you laughing at? I thought you were going to start talking about, you know, get the history lessons out of their song. I thought you were going to, that's what I was. Viva's into, no, I'm actually going to be serious. Stop writing about the Spanish Armada kinks. Uh, sorry. As good as the kinks are, there's no mythology around them. Yeah. And like those stories Bruce was were telling, which are good stories, those aren't well-known stories. That might have helped too, some of the crazy things they did. Yeah. But they also weren't, were not looked, as good looking. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's true. Right. Like the Beatles, the Beatles had so much going for them. Yeah, because the girls all went crazy for the Beatles right away. You always had John Lennon making news, McCartney. They were always Ed Sullivan show, all that stuff. And the Stones were they were the opposite. They're supposedly, the opposite. They even were... though they really weren't. But yeah, we've talked about that with Bruce actually. With Bruce and Check they, had that Brian, one out. they had they had a tragic event. They had Brian Jones. Right. They had Altamont. They had all this stuff. Right. Uh, the Who had had Keith Moon, and I think the Who are a little bit under the Beatles and the Stones, but the Kings never had anything. Like I agree. That. They never right. were the news and touring obviously is a huge thing because any of us if we go to a concert and we see something new we're gonna try and go get the music right, so right. that that probably that might be the number one reason but like i said it'd be it'd be nice to have a kinks movie and then maybe they'll have a renaissance but there are we always talk this too on jag bags bruce is like how movies can really just give somebody like the kinks a jolt i mean they put the song in rushmore somebody else yep. finds another kink song and i think i don't think they're not people know who they are still i don't think they're faded that much and being prolific probably helps too because they've never really gone away some of the covers help them a lot too right like the pretenders doing stop your sobbing like that you know boosted um you know the van halen covers the jam right a lot of those you know covers that show up on you know very popular bands it's like wait where'd this song come from you know right um that that stuff helps um Mm -hmm. and again like they they made they made money of money like they're they're comfortably retired old men (laughs) oh yeah they did ray Ray davis keeps releasing albums oh yeah yeah and dave davis keeps putting out stuff you know yep americana is a pretty good album of ray davis's that came out a few years ago that was one of my favorite albums of that year um so yeah they they got it they got it pretty good just kind of do what they want i think they could walk down the street though and people wouldn't know who they were right exactly yeah exactly they're at the right, I, exact right level of fame enough money and freedom but not their privacy isn't invaded yeah there was no kinks mania yeah um until we do that movie and i go no you will not tour the united states oscars <laughs> that will be not only a defining moment for the kinks but for len foot as well <laughs> um, len foot as mike union union boss <laughs> This, this movie is writing itself. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, 
that was okay. every year we should come out with a new music movie we could start with I jefferson know. airplane then we could do the kinks and then yeah. probably wang chung i think would be the third no wang chung will be that will be our the movie that really gets us across yeah um uh, i have a meeting with regency we're going to start jag bags movies soon jag bag studios yeah soon Excellent. the kinks did have their own studio called conk <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where all the like tons of the later albums they were all recorded there yeah at conk yeah well the beatles uh, had a, beatles had apple let's call ours conk that that rolls off the tongue right. conk for the kings conk. also uh john dalton who became their bass player um uh, he wasn't their original bass player but he came in he looks a lot like paul mccartney and so they they had a i almost can't even say it but like they they, they referred to paul mccartney as paul mccockoff wow <laughs> and so so they obviously they couldn't say that all the time so they called him nobby that was his <laughs> so british so british first of all mccockoff and then nobby <laughs> by the way no wonder um, mike union didn't like them <laughs> as an aside uh our uh our uh, esteemed uh engineer and producer declan buyer um he uh was uh he works at fort knox and recently uh for riot fest the cure came in and were rehearsing at fort knox and declan uh, had to set up and break down their equipment and uh he said that um the the guy that was in charge of the cures drums was uh from northern uh scotland and was pretty hard to understand and so right. declan kept saying well, can you repeat yourself i'm not sure what you're telling me to do and apparently the scottish guy got so fed up he started calling declan a dauber he says look you dob look you dauber <laughs> perfect <laughs> my Nothing my buddy more. was telling me him and his wife were in in scotland and she was trying to to she was, she was trying to understand this guy like in the grocery store like she just couldn't understand him. And, the, and the, the guy finally goes use your words woman wow <laughs> oh man UK yeah. uh, well scratch off we will, Scotland we, from our jag bags tour we will build these bridges with our movies we will heal through art uh, anything else on the kinks that we have not yet covered tonight the, so Pantheon what do you think second level level two well this is the thing I think their first Pantheon um, just in terms of musical ability and uh, their, you know, the, the quality of their album. To me, their first Pantheon, but in terms of their impact, in terms of their influence, I also think they are first Pantheon, but in terms really? of the, first? Oh yeah, I do. I, I think it's they're right there. People who are into music, you know, like like all the music nerds, all the people who hang out at the record store, they're all huge Kinks fans. Um, and they all, you know, will, will, you know, wax poetic about the, you know, the great influence of the Kinks and you know, another another thing is like that that will come out is like Dave Davis doesn't get the credit he's due of being just a stud lead guitar player. He is a, a right. yeah. I I was I was thinking about that today. That you never hear anyone like you know. There's no Dave Davis on the cover of the guitar magazine. Yeah, you're right. But when you listen to like all those, it's like he is a phenomenal guitar player, and he's he was the guy writing you know the guitar parts, right? Um, you know the the Kinks were a band, especially in the early days, like the original four and five guys. Like when they were writing the songs, it was like. Ray Davis would show up with like, you know, rough chord structure in the lyrics. And then it was up to the rest of the guys to come up with the parts and make it a good song. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think Dave Davis does not get, you know, his due credit of like stud guitar player. So many. Right. Good they don't have the 
genius stamp. You know, he was one of the, like, that, like, hard rock guitar sound on You Really Got Me. Like, he did that by, like, cutting the speaker in his amp with a razor blade to make it rattle, you know, to get that distorted guitar sound. Like, but he was, you know, ahead of his time, you know, as an electric guitar guy. Uh, what I was going to say is they don't have the genius stamp on them, like some of the other bands. That's another reason. Yeah. Although Ray Davis once claimed to his brother that he was, he's like, I'm a genius. <laughs> I said it to be Dave Davis. Dave, Dave's response was, "No, you're just an arsehole." <laughs> I say that to Beeve after every podcast. <laughs> I don't say arsehole, though, because that's too British. I say, please uh, respect, please respect my genius. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and you know, you make some great points because, in terms of like, and you kind of illustrated too, like in terms of their impact and their recognition, they're definitely not first pantheon. They're like second or maybe even third. Pantheon. I would say they're third. Just, I would say third. Just overlooked, yeah. overlooked. Yeah. Which gets back to the question of why, and we, which we've covered. And there's, but they're still around mm -hmm. because they're so good I think yeah because from all the things we said you would expect them to fade away but they haven't they've held on due to the merit of their music I think I think so and again once we write once we write the movie maybe they go up a pantheon level or so maybe yeah, we I, can elevate them into first pantheon yeah I, I highly encourage going on YouTube and watching some of the live stuff uh, there's a, a, a whistle stop uh, 1977 performance and then I think on rock palast from like 1980 or 82 something Something like that there's during that time from like 75 to 85 there was just a fantastic you know touring live band and there's there's definitely some good stuff on youtube worth worth watching um and then yeah he's like wow like i would i would have loved to have seen them live in, in that time period i know right? i was too young yes i was busy seeing sticks <laughs> and journey <laughs> i'm sorry i shouldn't laugh i know i know uh, i could have seen the kinks oh well oh well the kinks losses there's no question I, they i there's no question about it i remember though and I was like, oh yeah, the kinks with come dancing. <laughs> so, and they were big at the time too. Oh anyway, yeah. Missed opportunity. All right. Uh, any pan uh, any other pantheon comments on the kinks? Nope. Okay. Um, if uh, any other kind of uh, general last parting thoughts on the kinks before we wrap up this fantastic in another fantastic Bruce Hollett appearance on Jagbags. I highly encourage listening to the albums. Go for the deep. There's so many good songs and, and go catch some go go catch some of the live stuff on the YouTubes. Uh, and Agreed. Uh, kinks are all about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, thanks, Bruce, as always, for coming in and providing ultimate research, ultimate background. I read a book. Yeah, yeah. read a there book in preparation. None of our guests do that. Beeb's still at zero books, so <laughs> Be I can't Be read. reads a lot of books. Don't sell him short. <laughs> I read a lot of comics, and people tell me the plots. <laughs> um, and uh, but that I, that counts. Um, mm. I, maybe we can write a kink. Inks comic uh, with a K. Inks, uh, anyway, these are great ideas that we will save for the next Jag Bags meeting, but we want to, uh, we won't bore Bruce. Uh, Bruce, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having As me. always. Uh, and uh, thanks to you for listening. Please check us out. Uh, please subscribe to us. Uh, we are available wherever fine podcasts are found. Just type in Jag Bags Podcast. Uh, a plethora of platforms will pop up for you. Just click subscribe and you'll get hilarious content delivered to your device twice a week. Um, and then check us out on the social media platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Drop us a line. If there's an album uh, of the Kinks that we forgot to mention, please let us know. If there's another British Invasion band that you think we should uh, cover off on, let us know that as well. 
If we find your comment worthy, we will send you a Jag Bags t-shirt. Oh my. We're sending one to uh, Ray and Dave Davis as we speak, and uh, they'll probably come back with uh, some kind of rude remarks uh, that are British. Mike Union we'll will wear decipher. his proudly. But Mike Union will wear his will wear his proudly. So um, please visit us there. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, and when you're ready to listen, put a little Jag Bags in your ear.